I believe that uh, when we walk in intimacy with the Lord, our whole life changes. Your past, your present, your addictions, your struggles, the things that people have done to you, the way people have abandoned you or labeled you, the things that you have partnered with in your heart and mind, I don't care what they are. Only He has the authority to tell you who you are. We have to ask Holy Spirit to download His heart to our heart. We have to be people who raise their hands and say, I'm here, this is my city, this is my region, it's not somebody else's problem. What we're going to do today is, is operate in that, or remind ourselves of that reality of what Kiran was saying, is that we carry the fullness of God wherever we go, and that's the reality of our inheritance. And as we've been teaching about intimacy in January, identity in March, um, we are here to talk about what is our inheritance, what does that look like for us. And our inheritance, really, if we break it down, is our inheritance is simply the fullness of the Holy Spirit that we carry inside of us and that we move and operate and we live out of that reality and that he wants to pour into us and equip us and awaken us to the things that we're called to do and pour into us and equip us and awaken us to the people that we're called to reach and the things that we're asked to do. And whether we're going to the furthest and most remote or whether we're going to our next door neighbor, it requires the same degree of faith to operate in the leading of the Spirit to know that it is not me that has to figure all of this out. It is simply the obedience to say, God, you have poured yourself out upon me. You are using me and you are leading me and God will show up. He will show up in this thing. And I hope that every single one of us, that we have developed a relationship with Holy Spirit, that we aren't simply saying, oh yeah, I know about God the Father, I know about Jesus, and then there's that other guy, that other part of the Trinity. What was that one? What was that one? Holy Spirit. I want us to have and be a church where we teach about and we build a theology around and we build a practical life around the presence and heart of God to pour His Spirit out upon us. The Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus was here, and as he was here, he said, it's good that I will go away. Why? So that the Father can pour out his spirit upon you. It's good that Jesus was there, but he was in a human form. And so he was limited. He could heal the sick. Any sick that were brought to him, he could heal them. He could raise the dead. Any dead that he came across, he ruined all sorts of funerals all the time. He could turn water into wine as long as he was there and as he was doing these things on earth. But there was a limitation that he had, he had come into a physical body, fully God, but fully man. And he said, as I go to the Father, what's going to happen is that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out and it's going to be poured out into every single one of you. And then we're going to be able to continue to do the works that Jesus was doing. It was limited to a man and to a physical body and to a physical region. But now, as he was raised up and enthroned, that, the whole, that God was able to pour his spirit out. And we are now in that place. Our inheritance isn't something cool that we get to hold. Our inheritance is the fullness of God and the person of the Holy Spirit that we now are commissioned to, to walk with and to give away in everything that we're doing. I want us to think about this as our inheritance, and we'll put it up there. Everything that Jesus is and accomplished. When I say inheritance, this is what is in my mind. Everything Jesus is and accomplished made available to, uh, to us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which we steward for his purposes and his glory. All that God is, accessed by faith in Jesus Christ, and made manifest in us and around us by the indwelling Holy Spirit, which we steward 
for his purposes and for his glory. Now, you guys, none of us are trying to walk out this Christian life without the Holy Spirit, right? Good, good, because that would be silly. You would have no hope out there. And I joke, but honestly, I think there's days where I have this down to such a routine. I have this down to such a methodology. I have this down to such, oh, I get up in the morning and I do this and then I do that and then I do this that I can lay my head down at the end of the day and go, I think I could have done that entire thing without the presence of God in my life. We are not called to live in a way where we can sustain ourselves, that we can sustain our rhythm and our pattern and our life. We aren't called to live that way. We are called not to sustain. We are called to live in complete surrender to the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, that we would lay our head on our pillow and we would recount the amazing things and the encounters of God and the times that he spoke to us and the times that he spoke through us and the times that we felt his presence and saw his presence and realized that he was doing something and realized that he was calling us to say something specific to somebody or pray for somebody or just encourage somebody, give them a high five, whatever it is. It's it's that degree of saying, Holy Spirit, God, God is with me, in me, upon me, and is leading me throughout my day. Not so that I can go, hey, thanks, I got it. High five in the morning after coffee. I'm on my own for the rest of the day. I'll check in with you at night. But that that we would walk in a rhythm and walk in a reality of a spirit-led, spirit-filled life because that's what he's made available to us. To me, have any of you ever been in a long-distance relationship? Raise your hand if you've been in the suckiest, worst, terrible idea ever, long-distance relationship. It's the worst. I think Kate and I tried it a couple times. Once she was in Holland and she tried to leave me. Dang, Holland. <laughs> Once, I think, I don't know, I was in L.A. Oh, I was in L.A. She was here. It was terrible. It's terrible. You can have a picture. It's great. I love you. You can have a book of letters. And you can have them all memorized. And you can know exactly where the one is that you like. There it is. I love that letter. It's a good one. But it still is terrible and miserable. Why? Because you don't have the presence with that person. They're not right there with you, experiencing the things that you're experiencing, walking through the things that you're walking through, being in the moment and in that place with you. And my desire for every single one of us is that we wouldn't be Christians who are settling for a long-distance relationship with God but that we would realize that he's poured out his Holy Spirit upon this earth, upon us through Christ so that we can have intimacy with him, so that we can know him and walk with him, not memorize a bunch of stories about him and read our favorite one. Oh, this is the good one. I love the Bible. I study the Bible because I want to know him, not because I want to know the Bible. I teach because I want you to know him, not because you, I want you to know the Bible. And I believe the Holy Spirit is available to you so that you don't have to live in a long-distance relationship with God anymore. Got a picture of him on my shelf. Got all the things. It's fine. It's not how he wants me to live. 
That's not how he wants you to live. He wants us to live in this unending brokenness. Where do you begin? Where does he begin? That we would just be so one with him that it would be impossible for us to know. It's intimacy. It is him poured out upon us. In Acts chapter 2, talks about the day of Pentecost. We're a Pentecostal church. Surprise. <laughs> Suckers. Oh, goodness gracious. Give me my poisonous steaks and my shofar quick. I've suckered you all into the room. What does it mean to be a Pentecostal church? It means that you can joke because I grew up a Pentecostal church in the most Pentecostal of Pentecostal churches, so deal with it. Um, I love it. I love the movement. We are a Pentecostal church. It just means that when Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, the church was born, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is still being poured out every day, every day, every day, and that he never ceased, that the only thing that's going to fuel and fund and move the church forward is the, is the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit, not man-made denominations, not man-made rules, not man-made Nazarene handbooks that tell you how to live and how not to live. Sorry if you're Nazarene, I love you, but I've heard about your sweet handbooks. It's not going to be that stuff that moves the church forward. That doesn't, that doesn't make the gates of hell quake. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost and is still being poured out now, today. So we're just saying, God, it's what we say around here. God, anything you've ever done, anywhere, do it here. Anything you've ever done at any time, do it now. Anything you've ever done for any person, you can do for us. We just believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Foursquare would be so proud of me for saying that from the stage. Uh, so um, you didn't even know we're Foursquare. It's okay. Uh, don't check. I'm joking. It's awesome. All right. So um, <laughs> I'm going to revoke my church. <laughs> when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is the people Jesus told his disciples, when I go away, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. Don't leave the city until this happens. And so they said, okay, we'll hang out. And so they hung out, and they prayed, and they hung out, and they prayed, and they hung out, and they prayed. And then before you know it, they had this experience. A sound of blowing wind, violent wind came, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I love this picture. Why? Because the fire of God present in Jesus would have come into that room and said, here's the fire of God. But what happened to that fire of God is that it broke apart and it began to rest on every single person. It was an anointing. It was a marker saying, you, yep, you, yep, you, yep, every single one of us, every single one of us. It's not God in a flame that we come to. It's not God in a temple that we have to approach with sacrifices. It's not God behind a veil. It is God with us. It is God in us. It is God who fell so powerfully and physically showed people what they probably wouldn't be able to comprehend unless they saw it right there in front of them. God landing and resting on every single person. That's what we believe the Spirit is doing continuing to do and wanting to do as we make our lives available to him. 
Peter gets up and he preaches and everybody's freaked out and I'm skipping ahead, but he gets up and he preaches and he says, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Listen, are you guys prophesying? Are you guys seeing visions? Are you dreaming dreams? Are you awakening things in your heart? This is what Holy Spirit is present and doing and stirring up in every single one of us. It is when, it's when, it's, it's when we separate ourselves from that reality that we begin to create incongruity in our faith. And when we stop experiencing the things that we're supposed to be experiencing in his word, then our faith becomes theoretical. And as soon as it becomes theoretical, it begins to be death in us as we eat it. Some of us have been eating on theoretical church, theoretical faith, theoretical uh, reliance on God so much in our life that we have begun to die inside. We've sat in church for years and we are dying on the vine. And all that people want to tell us is just learn some more scriptures, follow some more rules, do some more of this thing and do some more of this thing. I want us to be able to say, look, The reason that we're dying is because God did not call us to walk this out in theory. He is saying, I want you to have dreams. I want you to have visions. I want you to prophesy. I want you to be so alive by the Spirit. Sorry I've offended you, Jack. It's going to be okay, buddy. He wants you. Don't leave. Get him, Jesus. tries to run. (laughs) Jesus, he goes on to say in verse 22, Jesus of Nazareth was a man. He was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. God wants to accredit you to this culture through signs and miracles and wonders. He wants to show up for you in ways that are unmistakable. You cannot evangelize this culture, post-Christian culture, whatever it is. You can't evangelize and share Christ with people based on a a theoretical or theological apologetic. You need something to shift their reality, the atmosphere to experience things. We can't do it. We can't reason with people. There's no reason anymore. You can't tell them truth or fact or right or wrong. It's like fake news. Ah, Whatever. You just get to choose it as it comes. Do I like this? I like it. I receive it. Do I not like it? Fake news. This is what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring truth to people who have no grid for truth or for reality. So what has to happen is that we need to be people surrendered and submitted to the Holy Spirit, that we would be accredited to our culture, to our city, to our family, to our marriage by miracles and wonders and signs that God would do among you and through you because of you being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. God is alive in you and through you. We don't accept it theoretically. We don't want that incongruity in our life. God, we want to experience the things that are in your word. We don't want to just go, yeah, I think that's what it is. I've never actually felt God. I've never known God, never heard God, never I've heard about people doing that. No, it's for you. It's for all of us that we would hear him, that we would know him, that we would experience him, and that he would be alive through us. You don't have to look like anybody else, by the way. Don't try to look like me. That would be a mess. You could get some sweet shoes, though. <laughs> don't, don't try to look like anybody else. 
This is our question. When Holy Spirit comes, he brings us fullness of life. What do you look like fully alive? Not what do you look like trying to look like the guy on the stage who's fully alive. What do you, it's not what you look like trying to look like your husband or your wife or your neighbor or whoever. No. What do you look like fully alive? Because I guarantee that it's different than everybody else, but it's just as powerful, just as anointed, and it's just as much on an assignment. You are filled with the Spirit. You are called and you are commissioned. Everything that you need is available to you in Christ through your Spirit. Verse 33. Peter's going on and he's continuing to preach about what's taken place. And he says this, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Jesus went to the Father and he received from the Father the Holy Spirit and he has poured out what you now see and hear. And the people were like, we want this. We're in. What do we do? We're in. We want this. We want whatever it is. We think maybe they're drinking wine at 9 a.m., but we want it. (laughs) What do we do? Verse 38, chapter 2, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, listen, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all who the Lord God will call. I think that pretty much covers everybody. This promised Holy Spirit that says, what do we do? We want what you're experiencing. We want what's going on. Repent. Turn to God. Turn from from this man-made kingdom to his kingdom. That's what repenting is. I turn away. I turn away from my man-made solutions, my man-made this, my man I turn to him. And what do I do? Be baptized. You guys watched it last week. How powerful was it watching people from all walks of life, from all length of relationship with Jesus, getting baptized in that water? You can't tell me that we sat in this room going, oh, that was a really neat religious experience. (laughs) That we knew, we knew in our hearts and our spirits that something was going on that was supernatural in that water, in that that time, in that place, that we realized that this this is what the scriptures talk about. How do we do this? What do we do? Hey, repent. Turn to Jesus, get baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's it. You can be like, well, what about the 47 steps and the thing about the thing? I I don't know. Peter just said, repent, be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord God will call. And those who accepted this message were, were baptized and thousand were added to them that day. The cross is empty. The throne is occupied. And here's the good news. His kingdom has come. We've been made right with God, or right with the Father through Christ. And here's the thing I want us to walk out of here knowing today. That because we have a Father, we have an inheritance. If we are orphans, we have no inheritance. But because we have a Father who is a good Father, we have an inheritance. All that Jesus is made available to us in the Holy Spirit, in the person of the Holy Spirit, of the Trinity poured out upon us and made available to us. I believe that, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll wrap up here in just a minute because I want us to not cr- cause an uprising in the kingdom kids, but I want us to, 
I want to declare this over us because I believe what I see happening in the church today, it's nothing new, but I think what I see happening in the church today, the grander church, is that there's an awakening happening around this idea of family, particularly in this concept of adoption, that things are being broken off of us, this demonic stronghold that has come into our churches around the area of religion is being confronted right now and it's a powerful confrontation and it's being broken off of people in incredible ways because of the outpouring of family and because of the outpouring of this concept of adoption. We've heard this verse, but I believe it's taking root like never before. Romans 8, 5, 15 through 17, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit, the Holy Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit has come in us that we can look at our dad and say, you're my dad. You chose me. I love you. I am in good standing with you. You have inheritance for me. I am loved by you and I see it now because of the spirit, you've put your spirit in me that I can be awakened to this reality. You cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs of God, then we are co-heirs with Christ. See, I think we've been a little bit too concerned with strongholds out there in the city and strongholds in the culture. And we got to pray this thing and do this prayer walk and do this, all this stuff out there. And we haven't been paying quite enough attention to the two things that Jesus warned us against. Jesus warned us against two things. Spirit of religion, the Pharisees. Spirit of politics, Herod. These two things exist in our American church and it's absolutely stifling the move of God. It's stifling the Holy Spirit because we're sitting in divisions and we're arguing about religion and jumping through hoops and we're sitting in divisions and we're arguing about political beliefs. We're allowing these things to divide us. But Jesus told us directly, watch out for the leaven. These two things is what I want you to watch out for. Two things. Spirit of religion, spirit of politics, that's it. And if we get too concerned with the stuff that's going on out there, we aren't stewarding what he's doing in here, we can let that same stuff begin to seep into us. But I have good news, is that there's an awakening that's happening, and it's that you are a son and you are a daughter. And because you're a son or a daughter, you know who your father is. And when you know who your father is, you know that he has an inheritance for you and that he wants to pour himself out upon you. That what Jesus was in the flesh, he is now present to you in the spirit. And everything that Jesus did, he wants to do through you. So here's what I want to do today with the time that we don't have left. Is I want to make communion available to us as a response to simply say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. That as Jesus gave his life, as Jesus was broken, as Jesus was resurrected, as Jesus ascended to be seated with the Father. That what scripture tells us in Acts chapter two, that in being seated with the Father, that he received the Holy Spirit and that he is pouring it out on them, on those that would follow, and on every single one that would be called by God. That's us. And so we do, we're gonna take communion today as an act of remembrance and thankfulness of the work of Christ, but we're also gonna do it as an invitation. We would say, because of the completed work of Christ, I am a candidate. I have a father. I have an inheritance. And my inheritance is the Holy Spirit. And I want that daily, daily poured out on me. 
And I get your whole theological concept of it being baptized with the Holy Spirit being a one-time thing, but Ephesians 5 says that we would be being baptized, that it's a picture of an ongoing reality that says, yes, the Spirit of the living God is inside of me, but I am also a vessel that he is pouring out his Spirit upon me, that you would be being filled by the Holy Spirit everywhere that you go. See, we don't do this so that we can have really great meetings. We need more meetings. We need more gatherings. We do this. We say, God, fill me up to overflow and send me out. That's what we're doing when we're coming to the communion table today is this simply an invitation to be filled afresh by the Holy Spirit, to be available to him. We have the rest of this month to talk about inheritance. I've got a bunch more things I want to say to you about it, but I wanted to start today and where we should start is at the life, death, resurrection, ascension, enthronement, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.